go out and do things like that, it, it really does bond us together and, and creates a lot of good memories. But it, I was saying, well, share this thought and see where it takes us this morning. I do have some things in, in line with the resource uh, thing I'd like to share, but we'll see. But in, in regard to what Teresa was saying, you know, that she was in her element, she was having fun, um, I want to encourage us, that's all of our element. Yeah. Right. I, I really do want, in. um, I know I'm stepping on my toes. I'm going to try to be gentle, uh, and um, <laughs> so, but it's stepping on my toes, y'all. Stepping on Selena's toes, but it's uh, I want to encourage us that because when we step into things and we discover stuff, we step into um, into veins of the life of God uh, that we just haven't experienced yet or hadn't experienced in a while. Let me back up and show you that. So, go to Romans chapter twelve. Help us, Holy Spirit, with this in Jesus' name. Let's make Selena with us next time. All right. We good? What's the matter, boys? She'll be different when she comes home. Yeah, you want to check the thermostats? Make sure they're on. It's blowing air. Amen. Romans chapter 12. So y'all heard me say this before. You know, throughout, especially the New Testament, um, there's there's two types of passages in general, right? And as you're studying and as you're reading the New Testament, you're, you're trying to identify what quote-unquote type of passage is this. And here's the terms I would use. There are what are called indicative passages. And what we mean by the indicative passages is these are the passages that tell us who we are because of the gospel. Are these are the passages that tell us what the gospel is. So again, the indicative passages tell us what the gospel is, or they tell us who we are because of the gospel. Does that make sense? Those are the indicative passages. Then there's what's called the imperative passages. And the imperative passages will speak to us and tell us this is what will be produced in your life or this is what you will do because of who you are and what the gospel is. Do you see that? So when you're reading the Bible, that it's really been very helpful for me that as I'm reading passages to understand what's going on is to say, well, is this an indicative passage or is this an imperative passage? Right? Because one passage is going to tell me who I am or who the gospel is, what the gospel is. And one passage is going to tell me, and this is what we'll, I can expect I should look for to come out of my life because of the gospel. Right. Yeah. Does that make sense? Because, well, and I want to, I'll try to tie this into what we're saying uh, with the, the resource thing because we were created for good works. Now, we said that a few weeks ago, and I want to be very clear and cautious because I know that all of us in some way have come from a legalistic background at some time. Well, all of us, every one of us in this room, every one of us there, at some point, we have come from some place, be it a mainline traditional, if you will, denomination, or whether it be a Pentecostal, Word of Faith, Holy Ghost denomination, it can be easy to slide over into what would be called legalism or into works. We talked about it a couple of months ago on Thursday nights that one of the doctrines that is essential to understand as a believer 
is the repentance, the doctrine of repentance from dead works. And, and that dead works that Paul speaks of in Hebrews, it's twofold. One is the dead works of sin itself. Right? The dead works of sinful behavior because sin brings death. But another aspect, and really the aspect I believe Paul is addressing to the Hebrews, is the dead works of legalism. Are the dead works of religion. Now what do I mean by the dead works of religion? Anytime we believe that it's any action or inaction of mine either makes me more holy, more loved, more accepted, more this, more whatever. Better, better, better. 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 It's, it's called, I, I, one of my ways, it's called Jesus plus. Mm-hmm. Anytime we go, well, Jesus plus, right, my giving, that equals prosperity. Right. You see what I'm saying? Anytime it's Jesus plus this, then I get the blessing. That's religion. Wow. Uh, y'all look at me kind of funny now. Y'all, can, I just, can I just pick on this just for a little bit? Yes. Anytime it's Jesus plus Bible reading, then I get, that's still religion, Jesus plus prayer, Jesus plus church attendance, Jesus plus... Anytime I'm adding the work to Jesus because I'm expecting that then is going to, again, make me more righteous, more holy, more loved, more saved, more accepted, more anointed, more special. That's oh, right. Huh? Well, it can't. Well, there's wisdom that comes. Now, here's the thing, Kurt. Now you're, you're tracking. Now, am I saying, well, woohoo, we don't give anymore? Am I saying that? Yeah, something like, I'm, thank you for the two people. Am I, am I saying we don't read our Bible anymore? No. Are we saying we don't pray? No. Are we saying we don't come and gather together and worship? No. No, I'm not saying that. But anytime we attach that work to my righteousness, I fall into religion. Or to right. even righteous results. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Any, a righteousness, righteous results... Right? That's the determining of the outcome. It's Jesus only. Yes. Jesus only. That's right. Now, Jesus will produce in us all of the things we just mentioned. Does that make sense? Yes. Jesus will. When, when we know Jesus in the fullness of his work, we, we should not be shocked when we are inspired to give and desire to read and want to gather together with the believers and want to do things, right? Come on, give me this. Yes. Anybody that's been beat up at church before because you're just not doing enough? Oh, yes. Come on. Oh, yeah. Good. You're not giving enough. Right? Yeah. You're not giving enough. You're not praying enough. You're not doing what X, Y, Z enough. You're not, you're not serving enough. I mean, that's the big one now in the current church culture is, is the service side. Where do you serve? Can I just? All right, now I'm just gonna I'm just gonna let loose and just meddle as a pastor just for a minute. Come on, yeah. Okay, no, is is this? We can stand it, can't we, ladies? Well, here's well, here's the thing. You know, uh, may we get over the idea? How do I say this? And I got I want to be wise and kind. But this is like, for example, if you heard people say, "Well, have you found your purpose?" And what they mean is, is where you're going to serve in church. Right. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Right. Again, it, it, I, I use this our family analogy a lot. You know, uh, we have the privilege of having a house. Right. It's an honor to have a house. It's a privilege to have a place to stay. All that kind of stuff. But how do you know with, with a house comes chores? Yes. Somebody got to motograph, somebody got to paint this, somebody's got to cook that, somebody's got to wash that, somebody's got to clean that, somebody's got to take out the trash. But how do you know all of those actions is not what it means to be a part of the Holloman family? No. Those are things that are just there because it's a privilege to have a house. Yes. Yep. Yeah. But we don't do that to the house of God, do we? Oh, come on now. Are you with me? Your no. purpose is to take out yeah. the trash. <laughs> that's right. We have tied many times. Well, that's a form of legalism. Yeah. Right. Because we're adding anything we try to add to Jesus. I don't know why I'm staying on this. Anything we try to add to Jesus only. That's right. Is religion. Yeah. However, from Christ will come everything. Yes. Yeah. Yes. From him we should have an expectation, and that's what the imperative passages will, are for. Yeah. Right? Because of who Jesus is, and because of what the gospel is, and because of what the gospel has done to transform us, then I have an expectation that things will begin to come out of me because of that. Right. That's good. Yeah. It'll be from the heart. And it'll be from here, from yeah. the heart. Absolutely. And you won't hear somebody go, well, I've got to usher this way. Yeah, i got to go usher this way. i got to go usher. No. It's that effortless thing. It's Not what you get to, no. but you got to. Got, yeah. got to, that's my job. Yeah. I, 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 you know, got to, you get to. All I can say is, and, and the effortlessness then mm -hmm. of doing. Now, again, please hear me. Now, in all of that, however, again, we have more become, if you will, life of faith than was, you know, uh, known as we're a grace church. Amen. And I, I own that proudly because I love grace. Anybody loves grace? Yeah, but sometimes in the error in the grace circle is we are free to do nothing. Does that make sense? Small group at the bar. That's right. I mean, you know, uh, you know we are free we are free to do nothing. Come on. Now, 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 now remember, and remember, you've heard me say this before, Pastor Leon Fontaine, I love his statement, for every mile of road, there's two miles of ditch. That's right. We just got to talk, there is the ditch of legalism on one side that yes. my doing is adding to. But the ditch on the other side is that I don't do anything. Yeah. In the name of grace. <laughs> Yeah. In the name of I am free, I, we say, or people say, I'm free to do nothing. That's boring. Well, it's not only is it boring, it's lifeless. Mm -hmm. And what I've seen when people get over, over on this side, we burn ourselves out. We would come into places where we, where we can hate God, hate church, hate stuff. Hate All, going door to hate door. Going, well, hate going door to door. It's like, it's <laughs> you know, hate it. I was, oh, made, oh, I was made to when I was little, oh. over and over and over. Yeah, so that's but, where it comes from. But we're gonna get. You get better. You get better. But but over oh, here, but but over here, if we fall into this ditch, uh, we become purposeless. Yeah. Which makes us passionless. Yeah. Depressed. 
Can I say that one more time? A passionless per- person is a purposeless person. And a little lazy. That's true. But 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 sometimes it's I'm trying to, but sometimes it's 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 lazy in the name of spirituality. Grace. In the name of grace. But but I, what I want to more talk on though is, is the da- the danger over here again is legalism and self righteousness and all the stuff that we probably got. But over here the danger is as I slip into passionless living. I slip into a place where there is no purpose, there is no why, there is nothing. Nothing matters. Nothing matters, right? Yeah. That's depressing. It is. Uh, hold your place in Romans, because we'll look at it. Go to, go to Acts chapter eleven. Everybody doing okay this morning? Yeah. Look at you. <laughs> Acts, Acts chapter eleven. <laughs> That's all. I was supposed to say, Kevin got them all stirred up. <laughs> so here's... Uh, that's awesome. I'm going to read this story, but look at this. And we're going to start in verse 19. It says this, verse 19, Acts chapter 11. Now those... It says, Now those who were scattered after the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, preaching the word to no one but the Jews only. But some of them were men from Cyprus and Cyrene, who, when they had come to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists, and now the Hellenists were just Greek Jews, um, the Hellenists preaching the Lord Jesus, and the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord." Then news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent out Barnabas to go as far, far as Antioch. And when he had come and he had seen the grace of God, he was glad. Now here, again, just y'all kind of see the story. So again, Stephen is martyred. A persecution happens. Uh, your big $5 word for the day, so you, say, uh, you learned a fancy word at church, is called the diaspora. Everybody can say diaspora. So, and the diaspora means the scattering of the church. So then after Stephen's persecution, the church is scattered. And as they go out, they're preaching the gospel. And then they come to Antioch and some people get born again. And Jerusalem hears about it. Now, we all remember Barnabas, right? Barnabas was called the son of encouragement. Barnabas was the one who brought Paul into the light, if you will, and brought him to the church. But listen to me. I want you to imagine with me, if you will. So here's Barnabas. The man who's called the son of encouragement. He's going to a brand new group of believers. These are people who have never believed on Jesus. He goes in. It says he saw the grace of God. Right? He saw that they had actually received the gospel. He was glad and encouraged. And then he's going to tell them something. Now imagine with me. He could have said anything. Right? The man could have said all kinds of stuff. I want you to notice what the Holy Spirit said to, through Barnabas to a group of brand new believers. In verse 23 here, it says, And he encouraged them that with purpose of heart they would continue with the Lord. That's always struck me as fascinating. Because he could have said, hey, through prayer and fasting, 
He could have said through all kinds of stuff. Because again, here's a new group of believers. Again, this is tumultuous times. Right? Can you imagine the Roman Empire? Not necessarily a peaceful place to live. Definitely not a peaceful place to live if you're a Christ follower. Right? So here's a brand new group of people who have just accepted the gospel. Here's one of the apostles who comes in and he's wanting to establish them in their new faith. And his first instruction was, you need a purpose of heart. Now that word purpose is unique in the Greek language. It means an advanced, deliberate, and intentional plan. That's what it means. An advanced, deliberate, and intentional plan of how you will serve the Lord. Now remember, we're not talking Jesus plus. Barnabas didn't say if you do this plan, then you're going to be a good little boy or girl Christian. Barnabas sees grace is true. He sees that grace has been received. He sees that the gospel has arrived. And he says, hey, listen, this is what keeps you in troubling times when you know your purpose of heart. Hmm. That's good. That's good. Does that make sense? When you know, again, uh, Caleb and I were watching a movie last night and, and he read the thing. It was a, one of my favorite quotes from Mark Twain opened the movie. It said, the two greatest days of your life are the day you were born and the day you found out why. <laughs> the two greatest days of your life is the day you were born and the day you found out why you were born. Does that make sense? Y'all look at me? Again, when we're talking about, again, this whole idea, like we said last week about we are tapping into the resources of heaven, we talked about our left leg is the foundation of we have been blessed by God. But the other, our right leg, is the foundation of but you are here for a purpose. Right? You, you are here for heavenly activity. That's right. You are here for demonstration. You are here, as Paul said, for good works. Yeah, that's right. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Y'all yeah. looking kind of funny at me, right? <laughs> You're here. Right? Again, Paul said it to, the, I believe, what was the Ephesians church in chapter 2, verse 10. Right? You are his workmanship, you are his poem, you are his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Right? And this is the verse that comes right after. You know, Ephesians 2.8 is one that we know very well. For by grace you have been saved through faith. It is a gift of God, not of yourself, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Mm -hmm. Right. Because by grace we have been saved. Then the next verse. And you are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. So you see that the gospel, who Jesus is, what the gospel is, when the gospel is truly, sincerely, and from the heart believed, 
the gospel will begin to push us, compel us towards good works. Amen. 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 Yes. Is this it? Y'all look excited about that at all? Yes. I mean. <laughs> Well, I know, but I'm going to talk. So, so what? So happy yesterday, but but the happiness, Miss Teresa, was, and I want to was the action of what we did yesterday was the vehicle of actually the good work. Mm-hmm. This is the part where I think we get crosswired, mm-hmm. is because we can look and go, oh, the good work was I went out and I knocked on doors and I handed out an invitation. That's the good work. Mm-hmm. That's not the good work. That's a big point. No. What's the good work? The good work is that you were willing to engage with strangers. Okay. Romans 12. Romans 12. I'm trying. Romans 12. Right? We all are very famous with Romans 12. So remember I said indicative. I'm, is this making sense? Am I doing okay this morning? Yes. Okay. So, Just go. Good. Okay. So, so the indicative passages, right? So Romans, the book of all of Paul's books especially, have hinge portions where for a certain amount of time Paul is talking about the indicative passages. He's telling us who Jesus is, what the gospel is, and what we are because of the gospel. Mm-hmm. But he always has a hinge portion where he turns and he shifts from the indicative and says, and now, therefore. because, therefore, because of the gospel, here's what the gospel is going to produce in your life. Just be looking for it. Mm-hmm. Be on the lookout. The gospel will now produce this out of you. So don't fight it. Don't fight what the gospel is going to try to produce. Walk with the gospel and let it transform you and produce outside of you what is inside of you. So he says in verse 12, uh, chapter 12, verse 1, Therefore I present you, brethren, by the mercies of God. Right? So for 11 chapters, Paul's been laying all the indicative down to the Romans. Now in chapter 12, he says, Therefore, because of these mercies... I beseech you that you present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So now what Paul says here in verse 1, Paul says, now listen, the first good work is to realize that now worship is daily. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, so <laughs> he says, now, therefore, because of the gospel, yeah. you now will present yourself as the sacrifice unto the Lord. Daily. Yeah. Because yeah. before they had all been like us many times, they had been very weekly. Not W E A K, but W E E K. They had yeah. they had been Sunday or Saturday or what they had been very weekly. Yeah. But remember our faith is very daily. Yes. The good work, and again that's what I'm saying, the good works aren't done weekly. At the church building, at the the special event. Now, they can be a part of the week, Mm -hmm. but the good works are done daily. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, that's so good. Amen. You see how how God has taken it, and the gospel will take it out every every moment, right? Mm -hmm. Which is your reasonable service. 
He says, verse 2, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, again, i got to stop here just for a little bit because I grew up. I don't know how many of you like me grew up. I grew up hearing a teaching that those were the three tiers of God's will, right? Mm. Anybody else hear this teaching before? There was the good will of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, bread, yeah. right? But a little bit better than the good is the acceptable will of God, right? Mm-hmm. But what you're after, and everybody tell me, but what you're looking for is the perfect, the perfect will of God, because the perfect will of God is where the blessing is, right, and where all the protection is. No, no, no. You understand that we have to again. We have to read the Bible as literature. That's just grammar. The will of God yes, is. is good. Yes. The will of God is acceptable. And the will of God is perfect. They're not three levels of the will of God. Glory to God. <laughs> <It's about time>. Amen. <laughs> the, the will of God is good. It is acceptable. It is perfect. Amen. Amen. And he's about to unpack what that is. Now, when you re- now, now again, well, when you renew your imagination, when you renew your thinking to the gospel, what's what we talked about all the month of May, right? Mm-hmm. When I renew my mind with the Word of God and the imagination of the Holy Spirit, and I do this, then I will prove. Out of me will come the will of God, which will be good and acceptable and perfect. Yes. Guys, please, please quit hunting the will of God. Yes. Yeah. Oh, come on now. Can I just set you free? Yes. Please, for the love of little baby Jesus, <laughs> stop hunting the will of God. Just renew your mind and the will of his, uh, the, his will for your life will grow up out of you. Amen. You cannot find outside of you what has always been in you. Yeah. It's one of the biggest things we have messed people up with. Yes. Is we put them on an Easter egg hunt for something that's in them, yeah. not outside of them. Yeah. Wow. And I'm running around going to activity to activity. Am I this or am I that? Well, what am I? Well, I don't know. Have you, have you renewed your mind? Mm. <laughs> have, 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 have you taken time to imagine who Jesus is mm-hmm. and what he did and the gospel and what it is and what the gospel has done? Have you taken your, your time to imagine? Because, again, ultimately, coming back to the will of God, you understand that the will of God in the New Testament is a person, it's not a place. Mm-hmm. Y'all look at me like I'm, like Brother Hayes said, like a cow at a new gate. Y'all all right? Process. 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 So good. Did you understand? See, remember what we said this before? Everything external in the Old Testament is now internal in the New Testament. Yeah. Yes. Everything that was religious are institutional in the Old Testament, certain feast days, certain rituals, certain times, certain this, everything that was institutional in the Old Testament is relational in the New Testament. Amen. Do you see the difference? Yeah. yeah. 
Right? So in the Old Testament, the will of God was very geographically place-centered. You had yeah. to go to Jerusalem on the right day, do the right thing at the right time, in the right place. It had to all it was geographically centered. Yeah. Well, guys, here you really but remember, Abraham is the founder of faith through God. Right. And you remember the story of Abraham? Abraham has the miracle son. He has Isaac. Right? God leads Abraham one day when Isaac is a young, he's probably like Caleb's age, maybe Isaac is a is a teenager type kid, teens, late teens, maybe early twenties, but he's a young man. And God says, Take your son, you're gonna sacrifice your son, I'll tell you where. Right? Yeah. And then he takes them on a journey. You remember that? Right. And it says that they journeyed for three days. Right. And on the third day, God shows Abraham the mountain called Moriah and says, there, kill him there. So Abraham goes to a spot, builds an altar. You know the story. And when God saw that Abraham would not withhold his son and would not stay his own hand, he stopped Abraham, ram in the bush, all this kind of stuff. But now notice this. See, it said, we get this mixed up many times. Then Abraham, after that, God delivers and does what he does through, through the ram. It says, Abraham worships God and he called the place Jehovah-Jireh. Now notice, he didn't call God Jehovah-Jireh. Yeah. He said, no, he said, this place will be called where God provides Guys, listen to me. Do you know where they were standing? They were standing on a mountain we now call Calvary. So God literally leads Abraham with his promised son to the very spot where God would take his son and not withhold his hand, but kill his son on the place where he would provide. And in that place, it went from geographical centered to person-centered. See, the will of God is a person. It's not a place. Mm -hmm. Come on. That's awesome. If you have found and believed in Jesus Christ, you are living in the good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. Yes. Because that's who He is. Yes, He is. Amen. See, that's why Paul in the New Testament could tell slaves, don't worry about being free. I mean, you remember that? That, that, that yeah, kind of goes yeah. squirrely with our thinking here in America, right? Paul's writing and he, and he tells slaves, and they, hey, hey, listen, if you get born again and you're a slave, don't seek to be free. He says, now, if the opportunity presents itself, sure, take advantage of it, but don't go hunting it. Wow. But see, in our modern theology, we would be binding those people to, well, how are they ever going to live the perfect will of God? Mm. Yeah. Mm. Because they're a slave. What if God wants them over here? But they're a slave over here. Mm -mm. And they never get free and can't ever go over there. They'll live and die and never experience the perfect will of God. And Paul never taught that. Mm -hmm. Paul said, no, no, you found the perfect will of God. His name is Christ. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's right. And you can live okay. in the perfect will of God as a slave. Or you can live in the perfect will of God as a free man. Mm -hmm. Wherever you go, you are dwelling in the perfect yes. will of God because you dwell in Christ. Very good. Does that make sense? Now, from that, don't be shocked when he begins to guide you and inspire you and show you things to do with your hands. Mm -hmm. 
Amen. That are a reflection outward of that imperative stuff of who you are. Does that make sense? Yes. So okay, we're still in Romans 12. Let's jump down. We're going to jump down to verse 9. We could read a whole ton of stuff. Well, let's do it. Let's go. Let me back up. Verse 3. For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one the measure of faith. Now, i got to talk. Man, I'm getting all kinds of stuff. You understand here? Let me get up close to one of... 12.3, son. Romans 12.3. Um, let me get up in here to another little sacred cow, especially of our camp. <laughs> the proverbial measure of faith. Come on. Are you with me? Because how many of you heard we've all been given a measure of faith? Yeah. Well, now Paul said, Paul said we have been given a measure of faith. Right. But he's not talking about faith to believe. No. Not for your salvation. Not for healing. Not for provision. Let's keep reading. Because again, remember, context is key. He says, each one of you has been given a measure of faith for... As we have many members in one body, but all members do not have the same function, so we being many are one body in Christ, and individually we are members of one another. So what is Paul talking about? Y'all answer the question, please. What is Paul talking about here? Being the body of Christ. He's talking about being the body of Christ. Right. So the measure of faith is connected to what? Being the body of Christ. Being the body of Christ. The measure of faith in immediate context is not talking about faith for salvation. It's not talking about faith for healing. It's not talking about faith for provision. Amen. Y'all see that here? Because the the measure of faith here is connected to, oh, we are all members of the body of Christ. Right? It it says, having then, in verse 6, gifts differing according to the grace that was given to each one, let us use them. If it's prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Our ministry, let us use it in our ministry. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Mm. So now what is Paul talking about? Our gift. He's talking about different giftings. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, because you have a measure of faith. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, okay, so so here right here, so... Well, that's a great question, Kurt. So think of it like this. Think of it like if you're making a recipe and we call it a measuring cup. Yeah. Right? And so if the recipe says I need a cup of something, I measure out the cup. So here Paul's using a similar analogy. He's saying God has given to each one the faith needed to operate the gift they are in the body of Christ. Oh, wow. Do you see that? Because here Paul says, now, God, did God give everybody a measure of faith? Uh-huh. Yes. And the answer to that question is yes, because that's just what the scripture said. Yes, everyone has been given a measure of faith. Yeah. Right? But in connection to what? Who you are in the body of Christ. Yeah. yeah. Right? So therefore, you use the measure of faith according to what you are. So if it's prophecy, you use it towards prophecy. Here's the thing. Let, let me, good Bible question. Everybody doing all right? All my word of faithers, y'all okay? All my word of faithers, am I messing up the apple cart too bad? I'm going to listen to this some more. Good. Well, because how many of you have all been told, how many of you have ever been told 
Everybody's been given a measure of faith for salvation. Yes. yes. Wow. Well, just a measure of faith. Yeah. You've been given a measure of faith for healing. You've been given a measure, and then we normally go, and it's as big as a mustard seed. Yes. Yep. Right, I mean, that's, <laughs> and then we do that. But listen to me, listen, real quick. How does faith for salvation come? Go to Romans chapter 10. So, to see the two differences. Back up, go to the left a couple of chapters, because it's the same book. And this is some great practices of Bible interpretation. Yes. Does that make sense? Because yes. here, we're, we're, we just looked at immediate context. When you want to understand what something means, you look in the immediate context, the verses that it shows up in. If you'd like to unpack it a little bit more, you look in the same book. If you'd like to unpack it even more, you look at books written by the same author. And then you work your way out, out in and through context. But here in Romans chapter 10, y'all are probably very familiar with this. We're going to start... In verse 14, right? Well, let's back up to verse 13. It says, For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So now what is Paul about to talk about? Salvation. Come on, this is not trick questions. What is Paul about to talk about? Salvation. 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 He's talking about salvation. So he says in verse 14, So how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And the answer is? They can't. They can't. And how shall they believe on him in whom they have not heard? And the answer is? They can't. can't. And how shall they hear without a preacher? And the answer is? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? And they can't. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those that preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, "The the Lord who has believed our report. So then, what does verse 17 say? So then, so huh, well wait a minute, I thought we were given a measure of faith. So if I was given a measure of faith, how does faith come by hearing? Wouldn't we just... I thought faith grows by hearing. Mm-mm. No, faith comes by hearing. Mm-hmm. So what is the subject under discussion? Salvation. 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 How does faith for salvation come? When you hear the good news of what Jesus has done. That's how faith comes. How does faith come to the unbeliever? Hearing what? What's the good news? Right. The finished work of Christ. Jesus and who he is and what he did. That's why, again, can I just meddle just a little bit more? That's why we'll never win anybody to Jesus with our actions alone. Mm. Yeah, They have to hear it. They have to hear it. Yeah. Because faith does not come by watching my good Christian lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Faith does not come when people look at me and go, you know that Brad? He's just an all right guy. Mm. I think I'll believe in Jesus. <laughs> it just doesn't come. Now, I'm not saying we should live like hellions either, but no one has ever been born again by my good Christian witness. That's so good. Amen. That's so good. They've only been born again when someone declared unto them the good news of Jesus. Right. Right? How can can they? We just read it. How can they believe on whom they have not heard? How can they hear unless there is a preacher? And that word preacher doesn't mean 
Me. <laughs> no, and, and, and again, it, 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 you know, I'm not I, I know, but it, does that make sense? It, unless somebody tells them. So do you see in the same book, Paul is addressing two different things of faith. Faith for salvation comes when we hear the good news. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. How does faith for healing come? When we hear the good news. How does faith for provision come? Anything tied to salvation, faith for anything tied to salvation comes when the gospel message about that subject is preached. Amen. Faith in right. That's the way God designed us in our spirit mechanics to work. The word is preached and faith will come. Yeah. But here in verse 12 again, and I say this on purpose, right? Because now all of you guys in here, you're believers. Yeah. So then because you have believed, right. then at your believing, he gave you a measure of faith to operate the gift that you are. Because yeah. see, I can't go into the scriptures and find a verse that says, Brad Holloman in the year 2017, you will move back to Birmingham, Alabama from Vancouver, British Columbia, and you will help pioneer a church called Life of Faith North. Right. Yep. See, I've got no verse that tells me that, right. so I've got no way for faith to come by hearing. Come on. So God in His love and His mercy, when I was born again, He put inside of me a gift to pastor and then gave me the measure of faith to operate the gift. Mm -hmm. Amen. Mm -hmm. yep. so, so that's why none of us can say, I can't do it. Mm. That's the first time I ever heard that. That's so good. That's good. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's that's why none of us can say, well, I can't, I can't do that. When you begin to have, again, do you see that the gospel is... And what the gospel will produce, it will begin to produce good works in you. Those good works will look like daily worship and activity for the Lord. Those good works will look like a desire that I will renovate my mind. And through the renovation of my mind, the good and perfect and acceptable will of God, which is all the same thing, will begin to bubble up and grow out of my spirit. When that begins to come, that good and acceptable, perfect will begin to nudge me. Brad, why don't you teach people? Brad, here, I open this door. You go to Mexico. Well, first he said, Brad, why not open this door? You, you want to hear my story? Yeah. Yeah. Is this all right? So, somebody, so again, so I'm here. Uh, Kevin and I know each other. I'm, I'm a young man, 19 years old, right? I mean, Delane knew me before then, amen, uh, and stuff. But I, I wasn't necessarily unsaved, but I wasn't necessarily following either. Does that make sense? Anybody else? Yeah. 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 You know what I mean? And so, up in there, but at 19, at Cathedral of the Cross, if you ever been to the Cathedral of the Cross, you remember uh -huh. how the, it was big, open, kind of horseshoe-shaped yep. thing? I was the second altar bench left of center. So if you're dead center, you went one altar bench over, next altar bench over, right hand in, knelt down on a Sunday night as 19-year-old, and I said, God, no more. I said, I've just been playing too long. Tonight, you're my God. You're no longer just the God of my fathers. Come on. You're now mine. When I stood up after that, everything in me changed. Proverbs chapter, or Psalms chapter 37 verse 4 happened. When, he, when I finally let him really be my delight, then when I stood up, all of a sudden a desire to minister come popping up to the surface. Uh -huh. Right? Yeah. And then from there, I started, I, I had lost all interest in my biology degree. I was trying to get at Jefferson State. Lost all of it. 
Mom was paying for it. <laughs> See how moms can be. Son, you better get here and do. I go to school. When the moment I got out of school, if I wasn't working, I was at Cathedral of the Cross. I was standing there going, "Hey, Pastor Mark, Carew, can I do something? Right? I'll do anything." So I'm doing stuff all over the church. We're getting involved and doing this and going. Well, then all of a sudden, I think, man, I think I'm supposed to go into ministry. I'm supposed to preach, as we'd say down here. Mm -hmm. Right, so they began to do something. When they found it was me and a young man by the name of Danny Rivers, you can find Danny on my Facebook page if you want to, but me and Danny Rivers were supposed to start the Master's Commission, which was the Assembly of God's version of indentured servitude for the sake of ministerial learning. Right? And so, so we were going to go into a Master's Commission, and they were starting a whole they were starting a whole thing just for Danny and I to do Master's Commission. And they were talking about it. I was excited. We were there. We were going up. Went to the day. Me and my mom were sitting there. We're in the chapel. If you ever went to cathedral, there was a chapel in the middle of the building. We were in the chapel. They were telling us about everything, a little orientation. We we're about to sign. Mom was going to pay the money. I was going to move into the church facilities. All this stuff, right? So we're there. And I'm sitting there. And just in here came this big, mm-mm, can't do this. Mm -hmm. Didn't say I heard an audible voice. Didn't say I heard anything, right? I just knew in here that that knowing, yeah. I cannot do this. But like strong, yeah. So can I just say, yeah. God, He'll get you there. Yes. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah. Yes. It was it was strong. I'm saying, and I, and I like that strong where I leaned over to mom and said, Mom, I, I I can't do this. I just I don't know why. And it seemed as weird and as squirrely as I'll get out. I, I can't do this. And she says, well, son, best not do it. Then. <laughs> now, the backstory, you know the backstory? Mom told me years later, right, when I was between before 19 and I was not necessarily, I was not necessarily unsaved. I had fire insurance. I've heard me say that before. Yeah. I had fire insurance, but I wasn't a follower. Right, and mom's praying like we do sometimes as mamas and Lord, what's up with this boy of mine? And she pestered the hoo-hoo out of the Lord. And finally, he literally came to her one night in the middle of the night, almost in a vision. It was very audible to her. He says, all right, I'm going to tell you his life, but you can't say a word. And she took my, God took my mom on a journey of my future. Wow. And showed her who I would become who I would marry, mm. where we would meet, where God would send me. He says, but you can't say a word. He has to know by me. That's just like God. It is, isn't it? And so she calmed down. And so I'd come in, and, and I'd, I'd bring all kinds of people around, and, and, and Mom would go into the prayer calls, and Lord, that's not what you showed me. And he'd say, just be quiet. I'm working on him. And so she'd just... <laughs> And she'd just pray, right? And she prayed people out and others in, but she knew because she had heard. God had told her in that vision. He said, he'll go to Ramah, and at Ramah he'll meet his wife, and at Ramah I'll begin to take him around for him. Glory to God. And so I didn't know, so I'm there. So I'm walking out of the cathedral of the cross. I said, well, Lord, now I made all these people mad genuinely, right? Made all these people over there mad, rightfully so, because they're playing all kinds of stuff, right? And I'm walking out and said, God, now what? He just popped again. It popped up out of here, Raymond, because I'd gone as a small child. Popped up, and I said, okay. And I went. We're walking. I said, well, Mom, maybe I should look at Raymond. She said, okay, Mom, check that out. And God begins to open. Do you see that? Mm -hmm. 
That's so good. But see, the will of God is Him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's not the destinations on the journey. Mm -hmm. He orders our steps. He orders our steps. That's a given. Now, there's works that we will do, but I'm trying to get to the point here, and I haven't got there yet. Man. Everybody doing all right? Yeah. But see, the things that we do, they are the opportunities presented, and they're the vessels that hold the actual good work. Mm-hmm. See, see, where we get confused, and I'm not picking on what any of y'all did. I Please, I hope y'all don't hear that, is I love everything y'all went out and did yesterday. But I want you to understand that when we went out yesterday and we were passing out these invitations and we were doing something, that was simply the vessel that held the good work. Yeah. Right? Because the good work is down here. It says, and we keep on reading in verse 9. So here Paul makes this big turn. He begins to show us the imperative passages. So therefore, let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor, verse 9, chapter 12, verse 9. Uh, Romans 12. <clears throat> Romans 12, verse 9. I'm sorry. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor, give preference to one another. Don't lag in diligence. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Continue steadfastly in prayer. Distribute to the needs of the saint. Be given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind towards one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. And if it is possible, and as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourself, but rather give, pla- give no place to wrath. Rather, uh, Do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place... Did I read that right? Yeah. Do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him drink. For in doing this, you heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Do you see that list? Mm -hmm. Those are some of the good works of the gospel. You can list them, and it's a good thing to do. You can list them out. Those are the good works. Amen. Right? You see that? This pivot, he's, he's 11 chapters. He's, this is the gospel. This is the gospel. This is your freedom from sin. This is the gospel. This is the gospel. He's leading you all the way through the gospel. Chapter 12, he turns this. Now, because of the gospel, you're going to present your body. You're going to renew your mind. You're going to activate that gift with the faith I give you that's on the inside of you. And then from that gifting in that place, here's a list of the good works of the gospel that will come. Amen. So what y'all did yesterday, and I'll, and I'll land the plane on this, and I will go get Alicia in a minute. What y'all did yesterday was at the end of verse 13 given to hospitality. Now that word hospitality means this. It's a unique, it's one of my favorite Greek words. It literally means you were a lover of strangers. 
That is exactly what that word means. See, hospitality isn't just, okay, I had cookies and coffee (laughs) or or I invited you over to my house for a meal. That can be, do you see how how we've, we've done different stuff before? See, what you guys did is the vehicle of this card gave you an opportunity to go love somebody you didn't know. And the reason why you found life and fun and joy is in it isn't because you passed out a card. It's because you were given to hospitality. Yeah. And when you were given to hospitality, you activated purpose of the gospel in you, which brought passion out of you. Yeah. Amen. Do you see that? This just happened to be the vehicle. Yeah. Yeah. But what we've done in the church world is we've made this the good work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've made this the good work. Well, did you pass out the cards? Did you go to the thing? Are y'all who is going this afternoon? Bless God. Right? I mean, you know, you know, you know. And then, and why didn't the pastor come all yesterday except for the last 30 minutes? Right? I mean, and does that make sense? And we've made things like this the good work. We've made things like this the good work. And all these things are are vehicles, the containers with which the good work can be brought to the world in. Amen. Now see, don't you see the, I hope you see the power in this because aren't you glad that God didn't lock down the good work to just this? Because it would be, well, what happens when we pass out all these flyers? And, and, And we go to everybody's house and everybody's got one. Yep. Well, okay, Jesus, come back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Does that make sense? Or, 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 or what about this? What if now this is what if our what if our country goes completely socialist to the point of communism and they take our building away and they take away our right to gather like we've always gathered? Well, if this was the good work, now we're hooped. Yeah. Yeah. But if the good work, this was just happened to be one of the containers, and they come and take this container away, okay, great, we'll just make another container. Yeah. And the good work will keep going on. Do you, do you see the wisdom of God and in, in the fact that He established these good works not as these determined activities necessarily, but He determined them as these things that flourish, that man... So I encourage you, you're going to find that as you more and more love who He is and love the Gospel and love what the Gospel has done to you, you're going to want to love people you don't know. Yeah. You're going to want to open your life and open your home and open your stuff and open things up. And that's why we have resources for that. Amen. So that through the resources that comes, we can be hospitable. And does that mean, sure, there might be people who come to my house and eat a meal. That's awesome. The hospitality is, is my loving strangers. Remember, am I loving people I don't know? Am I loving people who are not like me? Yeah. People who are different than me. See, some of that is as we went out and we bumped into people who they, the people, they don't live like most of us live. Yeah. They come from a different place for different reasons. They're different. But what we did yesterday was we we had a taste of, wow, a good work of God. 
And that's why it brought life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It brought life because of the good work that was in the vessel. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. Amen. Caleb, can you go give us Alicia and tell everybody to come and we'll pray for Sophia. Father, we love you so much. Lord, help us to unpack There's so much more in this. Lord, as we go away this week and, and as we're meditating on these things and thinking on them, Lord, we just thank you. I thank you for the good works that are being stirred up uh, inside each and every one of us. I thank you, Father, for the opportunities that will be the container for these good works. In Jesus' name. This week, the opportunities that we have. Lord, at the, at the festival uh, this week, is we're able to come... Lord, I thank you that you're continually showing us the people that you would lead us to to minister life to and to love and to serve in Jesus' name. We thank you for it. Amen.